Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord for The Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Hi, friends. I want to welcome you to Walk with God. My name is Brenda. And you know, Walt and I look forward to this time with you each week. It is our prayer that in your corner of the world, um, that each heart is encouraged as we look into God's word together. We hope that you will share the link to this podcast with your friends. We, in fact, now have listeners in 21 countries all over the world. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. It's exciting and it's encouraging to our hearts as we continue to just faithfully teach God's word. So thanks for listening. Please share with others. You know, as I've been reading and meditating on these first three chapters in John's gospel for the past several weeks, there's one word that keeps jumping off the page. And when I dug into it, now I know why. The word believe. This word believe is found 81 times in the book of John. That's amazing. You you think it's important? Yeah, it might be important. And so, you know, one of my favorite things to do, just when I think I know what the definition of a word is, I go to the dictionary, Dictionary dictionary.com. Very easy. Google it, pick it up. Here is believe to have a firm, immovable, confirmed persuasion of anything. In some cases, to have a full, a complete persuasion to have certainty. But this was what was I found interesting in that definition. There are cases when the word believe actually has doubt implied. And I thought of Mark chapter 9, the story of the father who has a son with an unclean spirit, and he comes to the Lord and he says, will you heal my son of this unclean spirit? And the Lord says to him, Jesus says to him, do you believe? And his reply in verse 24, Mark 9, is, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. This is that doubt. Yes, I believe, but but I have doubt. Well, about a week or so ago, I was in a store, saw a bracelet that has the word believe on it. And so I bought it. And I've started wearing this bracelet because this word believe is just beginning to kind of marinate in my mind, so to speak, and I'm thinking about it. Do I believe with a firm persuasion? Do I have a full persuasion? Are there times when my heart struggles with doubt? And, you know, I have to tell you very honestly, yes, yes, there are times I have doubt. I have prayed, Lord, help my unbelief. But without faith, It is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I love this verse from Hebrews 11, 6, and it sets the stage for today's lesson. Yeah, and Hebrews 11, 6 is in chapter 11, obviously, but that chapter 24 times the, the call to, these are people that please God. They believed in him. They believed in him. And and it, 24 times in faith, with faith, through faith, it just keeps being repeated. And, and that's what's going to happen in John's gospel 81 times. 
Well, we're going to just look back for at three verses from the end of chapter two and then dig into chapter three with some of the most famous and, and best known verse in the, in the whole Bible. But looking back to set the stage now, when he's, he, Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, observing the signs which he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men. And because he did not need anyone to testify concerning man, for he himself knew what was in a man, or what was in men in, in, in particular. Um, Jesus isn't entrusting him. He, he knows that they're struggling, and there, there's some that are doubting, and there's some that are upset with him, especially after he overturned uh, the, the money changers' tables. And, and yet he also knows that there's increasingly a, um, a recognition that he is a gifted teacher and that he comes from God. And I, I think here about that, that whole idea of um, a new believer, one who has found faith in Jesus or one who's coming to faith in Jesus, a, a seeker, but they're right on the edge of believing in him. And that reminds me, we, we all have to grow in our personal walk with the Lord. Um, Jesus knew their hearts. He knows our hearts. And, and they saw signs and they believed, but they, they needed to learn um, more and they needed to grow in their faith. And we know that Jesus is in Jerusalem. We know he's been up at the temple, the whole cleansing of the temple. Do not turn my father's house into um, a marketplace, as it were. Um, and so the people are there in the city for Passover. Apparently, Jesus is performing other signs that are not recorded in any of the four Gospels, but we know that they're happening. And we also know that Jesus' actions up on the Temple Mount displeased, <laughs> made the religious leaders very unhappy. In fact, they ask him for a sign of authority. And as we come into John chapter 3, we will join a private evening conversation between Jesus and a Pharisee, and his name is Nicodemus. And I ask these questions. Can you imagine a private evening meeting with Jesus? What would you ask him? Wow. Yeah. And Nicodemus has some great questions. What, as he comes before the Lord, what is he want, wanting to ask? Is his heart filled with doubt? Is he seeking? What What is in his heart? Um, as we approach Jesus, what is in our heart? And so in these opening verses, we're going to get some clues about this man, Nicodemus. He was seeking, he's asking questions, and he is moving toward personal faith, believing in Jesus. Well, beginning in John chapter 3 with verse 1, I'm just going to read through the first eight verses, and then we'll have some things to say about them. But they are just full of, of insight, and they are full of this idea, you need to believe, I need to believe. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we, we know that you've come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus catches on this and he says in verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? 
He can't enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Well, again, we could just camp here and spend the rest of our time, but a a couple of things of significance. Um, Nicodemus is a Pharisee, but not only is he a Pharisee, he's a member of the highest uh, council in, in Jerusalem, and that's called the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin was made up of some Pharisees, but the majority were Sadducees. And these are the people that had compromised with Rome. These were the people that Rome then put in authority over the Jews. But because the Pharisees were the religious leaders out in the community, they were the ones that taught in synagogues all around the country. They were the ones with the pulse and, and, and had the voice to, to the common man. And so they included them in the Sanhedrin just to give them a feeling that they have some power too. Um, Nicodemus says, we know you've come from, from God and you are a teacher. Literally, that, that word rabbi is a respectful term. Um, it, it is really speaks of, um, we know that, that you have a personal walk with, you, with God Almighty. We, we see this in you and you're a gifted teacher. And in the midst of that, you would say, all right, good job, Nicodemus. But then we, he goes on, and, um, and you see repeatedly, truly, truly, in John's gospel, watch for these words 29 times in John. Um, he says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, don't be amazed that I said this to you. You must be born again. And uh, that just reminds me, even as, as Jesus um, is being approached at night um, by a ruler of the Jews, a member of the Sanhedrin, and Jesus ends up telling him, truly, truly, I say to you, and, and that's so different than most of the teachers of that time. They would quote other rabbis. But Jesus says, I'm, I'm going to say this to you. I have authority to say this to you. Um, don't be amazed when you say you must be born again. And as a teacher of the law, he knew the Old Testament. And in both Jeremiah 31 and also Ezekiel 36, it talks about the washing that will happen, that will sprinkle you clean and you'll be Uh, cleanse you from all your filthiness, and that then the Spirit of God will come. And and in the Old Testament, it came upon people for a season to do certain works, but the Spirit will come upon you in a new way. That's what being born again is all about. And so Nicodemus then questions, as the Lord has said, truly, truly, I say to you, and he puts these different pieces out in front of Nicodemus. And he says, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him and said, are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? So just like Walt has just shared with us, the Pharisees were the teachers. They were the ones who knew the law. They knew the Pentateuch, those first five books in the Hebrew scriptures. Do you know, do you not know what's in the Hebrew scriptures? Truly, truly, I say to you, there's again, truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus has authority, authority from God the Father. 
We speak of what we know and testify of what we've seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And so Jesus is bringing, he's in this conversation with a teacher of the law. No one has ascended into heaven, but he, Jesus, me, who descended from heaven, the son of man, he is God's son, come to earth, fully God, fully man, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. And remember, Jesus also spoke to the religious leaders in chapter two and talked about this temple you'll destroy. And in three days, I will build it and put it back in place. Whoever believes will in him have eternal life. And so he's questioning, he's saying, are you a teacher of Israel and you don't know and understand these things? And so we notice here, Jesus he almost has a rebuke to Nicodemus. You know, you're a leader, you're a teacher, um, and you don't know these Hebrew scriptures that teach that a new birth is necessary through the Spirit. And in actuality, one of the things that's interesting in this passage is normally other people would come to the Pharisees, other people would come to these religious leaders and say, tell me about this, tell me what God has to say about this. But in this case, Nicodemus is coming to Jesus and saying, hey, tell me about this. Um, the, the, um, the person that is supposed to be the teacher is going and saying, you're a better teacher. And, and Jesus keeps hammering on this. You must believe. Well, then let's look at John chapter 3, verses 16 to 21. And at John 3, 16, how many people have ever heard this? It's, it's on um, posters in the back of end zones at different events. And it's, it's found um, over and over again. And it's just a wonderful truth. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the judgment that, that the light has come into the world and, and men love the darkness rather than light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth, it comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Well, again, this famous verse that God so loved the world that and God wanted the, the world to have an opportunity to have a, a relationship with him. That was the whole purpose of the in the Old Testament of giving the sacrificial system and, and giving teachers in the word of God. He wanted to have relationship, but he could do it eternally by giving his only begotten son. And and then how do we activate that that love of God? How do we experience it? We, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We activate it by believing. You know, it's interesting, um, even when we talk about the, the extent of what God offers, he offers it to the whole world because Jesus's sacrificial death was sufficient for the whole world. Anyone who believes, they can have everlasting life. But it says, 
whatever whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life to activate that that love of god and to experience it we must individually believe you know i was i was raised um going to church and somehow in in my first 18 years the, the thing i got out of church was you know try to live a good life and hope it's good enough and and i know probably other things were taught and and maybe i just didn't get it but the gospel um, and this given here in, in John's word, the, the gospel here is not just try your best. It's you've got to believe. You've got to place your personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then what he has done for you, the sacrifice that he has made, will cover your sins individually and you will be adopted into the family of God. And this is such a familiar story. But but even as we get to this, we we want to just even remind ourselves this, this is crucial, and, and I don't know who I might be speaking to today, but maybe you've started listening to this podcast or other religious um, times on, on radio or, or, or TV or whatever you do, but, but have you ever trusted and believed on this only begotten Son? Have you believed in him that you will not perish, but you'll be having everlasting life? And I, I have a specific point in my life where I came to the end of myself my freshman year at college, and I placed my faith in Jesus Christ, and my life was changed pretty radically in some areas, but others gradually. And um, that's what we desire for you. For any that are listening to us, if you haven't made that individual decision, if you said, yeah, I, I love the teachings of Jesus, but, but I'm, I'm not sure if I'm his, you, you must believe, you must come to God in faith and say, God, I'm going to trust you and what you did through your only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and that will take care of my sin. And I think, you know, even as you share that, well, that is our heart's desire, is that anyone listening would truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that believing in his name, you would have eternal life. And that's something that you and I have done each individually. It's not being good enough because I'll never be good enough. You'll never be good enough. It's that believing in God's son and and even that idea that there might be doubt in the back of my mind, but I do believe that Jesus came and in that he walked on this earth. I believe he's the son of God. Lord, help my unbelief. Continue to teach me. Help me to grow in my walk of faith. And I love um, some of these application ideas um, that Nicodemus' example can teach you and teach me. You know, Jesus is always there for us, day or night. He's available. We can come to him. We can come to him in prayer. We can open up our Bible. We can look at God's word. We also can learn from the example of Nicodemus that in God's perfect timing, he will answer our most perplexing questions. He's not afraid of our questions. Yeah. He's, he's not going to reject us or push us away, right? We can bring them to him and we might not get the answer right away, but it's one of those things where if we continue to come back and we're asking God and asking him, he will answer us. And then another one that I like this, regardless of my status, 
Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. He was revered as a teacher, a religious teacher among the people. But regardless of our status, that you feel like I'm just a common nobody kind of thing, nothing is more important than the life of Christ within us, that coming to him and saying, Lord, I do believe you are the son of God. Each of us needs to come to him and be born again. And so I ask you, do you need to come to him today? I want to tell you, Jesus is not pushy, but he is patient. You know, he's waiting for you to come to him and he wants to meet with you. Just like he met with Nicodemus in that evening, he willingly sat and had a conversation with this man who was seeking Bring your questions, but also come ready to listen for his still small voice. He offers the gift of eternal life to each of us, to you and to me. In the coming days, until our next time together, may you continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord for the Awakening in America and Outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.